Hello and welcome to Between the Mountains, where we talk about your adventure travels from backpacking to expeditions. I'm your host Chris and today we welcome Melissa Miller from MissRover.com or Miss.Rover on Instagram if you know her from there. And we did an interview a while back which I really recommend you go and listen to. But in this episode we're talking about Olympic National Park. We're going to be having a chat about inverse clouds, steep hikes and an enchanted valley. We're going to see bears, deers and seals. It's a brilliant episode. I really hope you enjoy it, but with no further ado, let's just get straight into it. So, welcome, Mr. back to the podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, good. Thanks for having me back. Perfect. And we say welcome back because we have an interview that has released. I will uh, put it in the show notes, or if I forget, then uh, find it down below. Uh, a really fantastic interview going into... Uh, uh, Melissa and her life and finding out a bit more about you but um today we're going to talk about a specific place we're going to Olympic National Park right yes Olympic National Park in Washington how was it all for you all the several times you've Olympic... been around yeah no it's it's been multiple trips there that I've accumulated um this kind of itinerary I guess and it's, it's just one of the places I keep going back to over and over. It's it's so lush. I mean, I just read that it's over, I think it's at a million acres that it covers. So it's it's pretty wild. And it's, I mean, it holds a temperate rainforest. I mean, that was kind of my first rainforest experience in the U.S., which I wasn't expecting my first rainforest experience to be in the U.S. Yeah, it's, um, it, it, I keep hearing people mention that. I don't know enough about trees. <laughs> <laughs> to, to understand why there's a rainforest not on the equator but I'm sure it comes down to a technicality but we're talking about as north nearly as north as you can go in the U.S. right? Yeah yep it's um, one of the places on the itinerary is the most northwesternmost point in the U.S. in the lower 48. Yes yeah, well, yeah obviously because yes. Alaska gets quite Alaska north. would yeah exactly <laughs> For sure. So delving into the itinerary then, you, like like we just said, you've been there a few different times uh, for multiple different reasons, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when my mom came to Washington for the first time, my sister and I kind of took her on a little adventure. And it was, I mean, we were seeing these spots for the first time too, because we had only been living there for, I think, less than a year at that point. Um, and then I've, I've gone back, you know, backpacking several spots as well and day hikes. Nice. So what we're doing today is uh, something you're very, very good at um, with your blog, MissRover.com, which I'll put in the show notes down below too, uh, and a recommended itinerary. So yes. what I'd love to do, because for me especially, because this national park is on my, my bucket list, is to <laughs> delve into day one and go from there, if that's okay. Totally. So I assume most people, if they're not from Washington, would be driving are flying into Seattle. Seattle is kind of the starting point. That's where the airport is. But you're definitely going to need a car. There's not like transit that goes out there. I mean, there might be, but it's a lot of these spots are kind of off off the path. Um, and it's kind of a haul from Seattle. You have to either take a ferry across kind of the waterways to get to this um, other side of the, the sound that Seattle sits on or drive around um, the water. So it's like, it's, I think it's up to three hours almost to get to kind of the first spot. Um, and yeah, the first spot is uh, 
Hurricane Ridge is kind of like a good starting point. There's a visitor center there. Yeah, I mean, you're supposed to be able to just drive up uh, park and just see these like expansive mountains um, just from the visitor center there. I have gone, I think I've gone three times and each time it's been like totally clouded over. <laughs> so I, I've actually never seen the mountains there. <laughs> oh, damn. Which is really unfortunate, yeah. I was going to say, you oh yeah, exactly. The excuse every time. Um, right. Uh, is it a chance? Is it somewhere that you might be able to see the inverse clouds? That's also on a bucket list of mine. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I think I think there you could definitely get some low clouds in there with the mountain peaks kind of coming up. I, I can't say for sure since I haven't actually <laughs> seen the spots, but the second spot you can definitely um, get an inversion, which is in that kind of same area well it's like a it's a little bit of a drive further hurricane ridge is kind of its own visitor center spot that you have to drive like 18 miles out of the way i think (laughs) but i've heard it's worth it i think if we've flown to seattle and we've just driven three hours after renting a car i'm sure perspective wise it is only a short drive so absolutely perfect yeah so i guess we're moving on to the the second place then Yeah, so the next three places are kind of all in the same area, so you can kind of park. Um, I like to direct people to the Lake Crescent Lodge. Lake Crescent, to begin with, is just, it's beautiful. There's like a dock you can walk up, and there's this kind of old, uh, charming lodge that you can get dinner in, or you can stay in these little cottages that kind of line the lake, and you can rent kayaks there. But, But yeah, there's this dock, and there's kind of these mountains that come together over the water, and if you catch sunset there, it's spectacular. Um, also there's a lot of just like the classic Pacific Northwest fog that kind of shrouds the mountains and the lake it's it's just like really moody it's it's really beautiful because most of the time Olympic National Park is raining it's a rainforest so chances are it's going to be moody weather Um, yeah but from from Lake Crescent after you're done checking that out or whatever kind of order you do this in if you're staying there there's two hikes that are on the same trailhead and that's Mount Storm King and Mary Mere Falls. So Storm King, you talked about inversion, a cloud inversion, that would be the one. And it's, oh, nice. it's a thigh burner. <laughs> <laughs> so the stats I have for that one, it's like, it's five miles, um, but you're gaining 2,076 feet. So that five miles is round trip. So it's like two and a half up. Oh, geez. Um, so it's a lot of elevation. It's like a thousand elevation, you know, feet uh, per mile. So it's a lot. Uh, yeah. But and yeah, we were we were like racing it. We were running late because we stopped at Starbucks. We wanted some snacks, and we were like, oh, we got to make it up there for sunset. So we were just like hauling. And I, I think it was like the first hike we'd really done, like the start of spring. So we were all not in our best hiking shape yet. <laughs> I just remember being so out of breath. It was ridiculous. But I will warn people this hike, I've had friends that have attempted it and because of their fear of heights, they got halfway up and were like, nope, I can't do it. Because yeah, there's sections that have ropes that are attached to like, you know, tree trunks or rocks. I mean, they're solid. (laughs) Um, But I, I say that with a question mark because I've had a friend that a rope snapped on once, not on that trail, but just in general on a, on a different trail. And she went flying backwards. So trust them but also like have a good bearing on your on your feet but yeah there's sections with ropes that you have to kind of use to to climb up because it's loose rock or it's just you know too steep to really climb up there with 
you know, without like hiking poles or, you know, really crazy gear. So, so yeah, that one's not for everybody, but the reward, I mean, it's, if, if there's not a cloud inversion, I'm sure you saw the picture um, that I posted. It's, mm. it's a lake down below. So there's mountains and a lake kind of center. Um, but yeah, often I've seen pictures with the clouds kind of filling in that gap where the lake would be. And it's, it's just wow. crazy to see. Yeah. That's gorgeous. Blew my mind. And you can't really even see the viewpoint until you kind of get to the absolute top. So you're just kind of like in the trees, you know, doing your thing, hustling. And then, then you get up to the top and it's just like, whoa. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, yeah. actually, that's, that's handy to know because I, I, when I do uh, big hikes going up, it takes every mental power in me to not turn around until I get to the top. Uh-huh. So it's nice to have that taken away from me. Right. Well, and if you, I mean... I had to just keep telling myself like, okay, it's only two and a half miles. Like, even though it's going to suck, it's, it's only two and a half miles. Like I can do it. <laughs> just get through it. So if that's not your style, if that sounds too intimidating, Mary Muir Falls is just continuing the trail. So Mount Storm Trail kind of breaks off to the left and it's marked. Uh, Mary Muir Falls, you keep going. Um, and it's, it's labeled easy. My mom did it. She's, you know, she's in shape, but she's not like, you know, doing 30 mile backpacking trips every weekend. So yeah, it's, there's a couple like bridges that go over water. It's super lush. Like there's all the moss and, you know, and then there's a waterfall, which who doesn't love a good waterfall? For sure. For sure. And with the steep hike, I I know you mentioned some gear. We're taking ankle high boots, right? Yeah. I mean, you could get away with trail runners if you it depends on your comfort level. And, you know, mm. I think the most important part is just knowing your body and what works best for you. Like if, if you know you have weak ankles, I'd say this is probably one to wear boots that go past your ankles. Cause especially on the descend, when you're coming down those steep parts, like you really want to have good support for your, for your joints. <laughs> for sure. So anything else we need to know before we go on to the next location? Um, I'll just mention also that the Mary Mere Falls hike that I said is easy is only 1.7 miles. So it's, it's really reasonable with yeah, that's hardly nice any hike. elevation. Totally. <laughs> that one's kid friendly, I would say. Kid friendly. I like that. <laughs> kid friendly. <laughs> so yeah, that just knocked out three that you can easily do just by driving to one location. So if you only have like one day or you're like really trying to fit it in, I'd say that's really a good area to get the most out of it. For and sure. there's some other hikes like within Lake Crescent area that you can do that. Are, I just haven't, you know, really written about them because I don't have, you know, stunning photos. You know, that's what people really care about. But there's so many beautiful, you know, just rainforest hikes that you can do there. And it's all like if you're not from the Pacific Northwest, like the trees will blow your mind, the mosses, the greens, like all of them are beautiful. Perfect. That sounds ideal. Yeah. So then we decided to drive farther. So I, you know, really wanted to show my mom around and plus knock off a few li- things off my list. Uh, Cape Flattery. That is the one where it's the most northwesternmost point, which is so difficult to say. Um, <laughs> it's so it's kind of it's basically Canada. I, th- I was telling you, like you have to be careful if your cell phone wants to trip over into Canadian cell service. Like you're that close just across the water is Canada. Um, but it's on a, a native reservation, the Macaw tribe. 
Um, so you have to actually get, I believe you pay like a small fee to get like a, a parking permit to be on their land. Um, and that's where you drive through to, to get to Cape Flattery. And it's, it's a beautiful trail. It's short. It's like a mile. Um, and it's, there's some wooden bridges that you go along and you're kind of getting glimpses of the coast the whole time. And it's just these like, yeah, it's, they're like rugged rocks. They're like rock islands that just sit out in the water on their own with these trees coming off of it. It's really weird. It's crazy. It was kind of my first, um, time seeing that. So it was, it's definitely beautiful. And they do say, I didn't get lucky enough, but they do say that you can occasionally see like gray whales, sea lions, and lots of birds, all that kind of good uh, wildlife sightings. Yeah, for sure. Which is quite key for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people don't just yes. photograph still rocks and trees, although I, they're, they're my favorite photos. <laughs> yeah. But this, I mean, it added an extra like hour and a half to our trip. It's, there's nothing really on the way. You're kind of just going out there to that most northwesternmost point. So when people are kind of asking me like, okay, like I want to do all these, but like what one should I cut out for time? Like it's beautiful, but you can see kind of similar scenery if you go to some of the coastal beaches and also see more. But if you do have time, I definitely recommend going to Cape Flattery. Perfect. So it's one of those things where if, if you're running behind and you're not too worried about having said, oh, I've been to the most northern western. Right. You're right. That is hard to say. <laughs> Oh, I know, right? Most northwestern most point, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Although it looks like you're going around anyway. So, so as far as the map goes, which, again, I recommend people actually take a look at the article that Melissa's written because it's got a Google map embedded on the webpage, which is brilliant. <laughs> it does look like you're going around the park. And my knowledge of at least UK national parks is you kind of have to go around to be quick it's hard to go through. So if you were cutting it off, I, I guess you'd go through the national park or would you go past it nearly? You would actually, you would go past the road for it at least. But if you look at the map, you can see where you kind of have to go out to that, that point. You have to retrace your steps. So collectively, I think that adds almost two hours. All right, okay. Just going up there and coming back down. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's, so, that's a yeah. challenge. <laughs> I know. But it is beautiful. <laughs> Worth it. But I mean, there are, there's just so much in this national park. And I've only scratched the surface. Like, I mean, I'm sure there are, there are so many hikes you can do in this. And these are kind of just the most popular and my favorites. For sure. But if you continue down, then you're kind of going closer to the coast, um, more western. You pass Forks, which I don't know if anyone's familiar with Twilight, the Twilight movies. Uh-huh. Like, you know, Bella and Edward, the vampires, like that Forks was the, you know, the the town that it was supposedly written in, you know? So oh, wow. there's all this like really gimmicky Twilight stuff. It's hilarious. Like <laughs> vampire firewood. And there's this like, I went to, we went to a cafe to get burgers and there was like the vampire, you know how there's like the fire warning where it's like mild risk of fires, medium. It was like vampire levels. <laughs> Oh god! Ridiculous thing. We yeah, we got a real <laughs> kick out of that. It was oh man, because we we watched the movies for sure, but like, ugh, just trying to imagine these hordes of people coming there to see it and being so disappointed by Forks because Forks is just not a very lively city. <laughs> just living off the the reputation of the movie almost. 
Absolutely. So if you continue past Forks, there's um, another visitor center and it's, uh, let me see if I have the name of that. It's, I think it's the Ho River Visitor Center or the Ho Ranger Station where you go towards that and there's this, there's multiple hikes there, but the Hall of Mosses is one that I highly recommend. And that's only a mile long, so it's very family friendly. Uh, we enjoyed that so much. And I will say it is an enchanting trail. <laughs> it's <laughs> like we saw elk just like hanging out on the trail. Like there were so many, there were like these trees that kind of had arched over the trail that were covered in moss that kind of like hangs down. Oh, wow. it, it's just like, you feel like you're in this like mystical land. Like I keep saying like, I'm in Narnia. Like it's, <laughs> it's beautiful, but yeah, I mean, it's called the Hall of Mosses just because there's there are so many different species of mosses living on the trees, on the ground. Like, it's just everything's covered in green. Every green wow. you could imagine you were going to see there. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, a mile long, 82 feet elevation. So it's there's like hardly any elevation. And it just goes in a nice little loop around. So you're seeing new stuff the entire time. Perfect. That sounds but ideal. I will say, yeah, you might want to bring definitely waterproof uh shoes <laughs> it's it's really deep in the rainforest this part so it's you're getting that true experience and it's kind of always misting or raining yeah so where to next then within that same parking lot uh was my first backpacking trip oh, okay. to yeah in olympic national park which was my first backpacking trip in washington so this is kind of a special one for me yeah. but it's it was kind of intense too, because we didn't really know what we were doing. We we're like, well, you know, we've backpacked a little bit, but we don't really know what we're doing. So we might as well just go for it. And so the entire trail, it's an out and back. So it's 32.8 miles, which is ridiculous. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we ended up doing, I think one of the days was like 15 or 16 miles, just like with packs on. It was for a first time, it was it was too much. <laughs> but if you break it up, if you have lots of time and you break it up, like it is a stunning trail. And it actually has quite a bit of variety, which you wouldn't think like being rainforest, you think, okay, I'm going to see the same stuff, you know, just very colorful greens and trees. And But no, it like opens up into a valley at one point. And then you, you really climb because overall, this is like 5,000 feet elevation spread out throughout this. Ooh. Yeah. But if you go far enough, you get glimpses of Mount Olympus, which that it was, I had not seen that mountain before. And it was just, it was bold. I mean, it stands out there. Like, you know how Rainier, you know, really has a presence. Like Mount Olympus also has a presence. And it was really great to be able to see part of it. Um, if you're more skilled, if, you know, if you're really into like mountaineering, you can go actually climbing onto part of the glaciers that come off of Mount Olympus. But yeah, we did not have gear, nor were we um, trained in that. So, but there are also, I mean, you can kind of make this trail what you want of it. Like you could easily hike in like four miles and get a good camping spot, you know, and it's relatively flat. So if you don't have a lot of time, you just want to do one night or, you know, if you don't really have the skills or feel like hiking 15 miles in one day, <laughs> you can just go in however far you want. And we even saw bears on this hike. Oh, wow. Um, but they were they were fine. There was a mo a mother bear laying up in the tree limbs, 
And then on the tree across the other side of the trail were two cubs and their paws were like dangling over the side of the limb. It was the cutest thing. <laughs> but of course, everyone was kind of like standing around, taking pictures, being very cautious. But yeah. Yeah, that's not something was... you can just walk underneath, right? Because uh, coming from a Brit who... Uh... I don't have to worry about bears when I go walking. <laughs> um, I guess the etiquette is give them a wide berth. You, you don't just think, oh, they're in the trees, it's fine, and walk underneath, right? Yeah, I would say the best, yeah. Definitely <laughs> being cautious, giving them their space, not disturbing them, you know, because if, if you scare them or startle them, that's when they're usually going to act defensively. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely giving them their space. But I mean, with an, all of my bear encounters, I've never had any trouble. They're, they kind of are timid, I would say. Black bears, at least. Perfect. Nice. Yeah. And a, a nice sort of touch with wildlife as well. So we've seen seals off the shore and we've seen bears and trees yeah. so far. And I mean, this, this trail really has some great camping spots. Like I, we found one that was kind of off of this meadow and it was in the trees. There was moss hanging down, like I described earlier. And it's this river is just going right by us and it's just like glacier water. So it's like turquoise and there was deer on the other side. Like it was just, just so beautiful. And you just felt like you were really out there and, you know, being able to sleep to the sound of the water was just really great too. So where's next after this spot then? So not in, or well, I guess we'll go in order. Um, geographically like if you were to keep going on the okay. road I would recommend the coast next so there are there are so many beaches that you could go to like it's kind of overwhelming um and they're all different but honestly they're also all kind of the same <laughs> once you kind of get a like a taste of the Washington coast like it's rugged rocks that have like crazy formations and trees growing on them and um you know habitats for a lot of birds and it's they're all different but like most that's kind of the defining features of the coast is these rugged rocks so there's a few beaches i would recommend but my favorites to either day hike or backpack rialto beach um, and also second beach so rialto beach you can hike like 13 miles if you want <laughs> but what we usually do is just hike a few miles till we get to this feature it's called the hole in the wall it's like this big rock that kind of juts out of the the land um so you have to either wait for low tide to go around it or through the the carved out like hole that goes to the other side um mm -hmm. or there's like a kind of a rather steep trail that goes up and around this kind of cliff that juts out so it depends on your timing and the time of year you know when the when the tide is happening but it's a really cool feature to see, you know, either either time, but I definitely try to catch it when the tide is low so you can explore the tide pools and walk around there. It's really fun. Um, but to camp there, I do say I recommend going around because most of the day hikers or people that don't really know what they're doing are going to camp in the first section and it's going to get really crowded and dense. So to just make the extra effort to either plan timing wise to go through at low tide or go up and around it's really worth it because you'll get a lot more space that's such a good tip like yeah. out, out of nowhere that is a brilliant tip because I think a lot of listeners will be able to relate with just wanting to get away from people and I think the, absolutely 
it's not a problem with national parks, but it's definitely a side effect is that the, the beautiful ones are, are popular. And um, so, yeah, if you can get away and get a remote spot, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, I like that one. That's yes. my favorite tip so far, actually. <laughs> uh, and you kind of have bunch, options, really. too. Like you can, if you want to camp on the beach, you totally can. But there's also like the land kind of goes up into these trees that you can also kind of get off of the beach if you, if it's a windy night, you know, you can kind of get some shelter in the trees. But if it's calm, like I, I love just being right up against the water. But you also want to be aware, you know, if kind of look at where the tide goes to at full tide to make sure you're not, you know, setting up your tent right on that edge. <laughs> you don't want to wake up being drenched with the, the tide coming in. So being aware of that as well. Yes. <laughs> floating out to sea oh good morning everyone (laughs) Uh yeah so I think I mean camping spots can be as soon as like two miles in so it's it's very doable um and second beach is the same second beach is actually only like you're kind of limited by the land um a similar like kind of cliffside juts out but you can't get around it Mm -hmm. so um you you have think you have like two or three miles of space that you can camp in and similar situation where you're on the beach there's lots of rocks there's also a lot of um, timber that has kind of come in from the water and it kind of piles up and you it kind of makes for some fun jumping around these these logs sweet nice but (laughs) prepare for moody weather i mean it's the coast and yeah it's washington (laughs) it's not like california coast it's pretty much always going to be probably 40s 40 degrees fahrenheit um yes yeah well it's that's worth noting <laughs> 40 yeah, degrees celsius is the opposite <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know celsius <laughs> but one thing to note if you do decide to stay the night there you do have to check in at one of the ranger stations to get just an overnight permit they are free um usually and um but also like you need to rent a bear canister if you don't have one and it's just this for those that don't know it's like a plastic cylinder because bear anything with an edge bears can like get into or animals in general and it opens up and you put all your food and scented items in there so that way animals don't get into your food or smell it or come at you yeah but it's not even there's not really there's no bear problem on the coast it's mostly just like raccoons are going to try to get into it and you don't want to wake up and discover that your breakfast is gone (laughs) so yeah keeping it in this bear canister and keeping it like 10 feet away from your tent is ideal as as someone like i said as a brit not dealing with this issue back home when you said bear (laughs) canister i was thinking this can go one of two ways this can go food storage (laughs) or mace (laughs) oh yeah i mean i do carry bear spray but not necessarily for bears it's just I just like to have it, especially as a female, you know, traveling alone. You just never know what you're going to get into. So I feel a lot safer just having it in general. Well, it's a pretty high-grade, non-lethal thing to have. So it makes sense. (laughs) It'll definitely stop someone or something in its tracks. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) So anything else about the beaches we need to know at all? um, I don't think so. I think that covers it. Perfect. Where's next then? Continuing further south, um, it is a kind of another coast spot, actually. It's more beach, but it's another beautiful spot. It's the Tree of Life. So um, I believe, yeah, I don't know how much further south it is, but it is kind of a hike down there. 
but you basically you turn into this, I think it's pronounced Kalalak campground, day use area. And there's a kind of hidden, but not really, there's a, there's a trail off of that parking lot and it will be marked. But if you go down, it'll lead you down to the beach. And it's, it's short. It's like, I don't even think it's a mile long. Um, but then you're on the beach and there's this tree that's basically suspended between two sides of cliffs. Like the roots are just dangling in space and somehow oh, wow. it's been surviving there and living and growing. And I'm not sure how, but <laughs> probably all the rain, maybe. I don't know how it's like if the rain is hitting the root system, maybe it's still getting in. I don't know. I don't understand it, but it is side, fascinating. So. There's a few. Yeah. Like looking, I'm looking at the picture right now. Like it, it honestly looks like claws. Like the roots are like clawed to the sides of the just... cliffs and it's just holding on and imagine these just... roots just working overtime <laughs> to make up for their mates right. who are just having a nice time underneath <laughs> i might yeah right my guess is that the soil and land underneath it just eroded but i don't know i don't know if this tree just like somehow i i don't know i would like to know more <laughs> well, i just recently did an interview uh with uh, a place called sherad bolton in norway and the folklore there is that trolls came and placed this boulder between these two cliffs so uh, it's <laughs> not feasible but maybe some trolls did it <laughs> right maybe who knows <laughs> some Norwegian <laughs> trolls came over um oh that's gosh. nuts I think erosion is probably the best argument but google is probably your yeah. best friend if you want to know yeah I should do that I should google that after this <laughs> that sounds insane but, yeah there's so many it's just wild like all the spots along the coast here are just insane and like, if you just, I didn't actually mark this on the list, but if you drive like 10 more minutes south of this, there's Ruby Beach, which is another very famous beach. Like the rock structures there are very well known. And I think people say it's like the, the most beautiful, but it is out of the way. But if you have time, do it. For sure. If, if you're going to go to a place like this, then you definitely need to give yourself time, you know, or at least if you're getting this far in, and, it's, and you're only there for a weekend on a business trip, then don't stress yourself. Maybe only go. I mean, would you would you recommend going just a little bit in and spending more quality time, or speeding around as best you can if you're only there for a short time? I guess it just depends on how much driving you can handle. <laughs> if you don't mind driving, I mean, you can. A lot of these trails are under a mile. You can easily kind of cruise through them and and see a lot. Um, but, but it will involve a very long day and a lot of driving. When, when I went with my mom and took her, we ended up renting a cabin in Forks area that I mentioned earlier. So we were able to kind of split up part of the day. So the first day we did, you know, the, the waterfall, Merrimere Falls, the lake, um, that Cape Flattery, the nor most Northwestern point, and then come down to the beaches where we were camping in a cabin really. But um, and then the next day we woke up and did, you know, the Hall of Mosses and some more of these beaches. So we had time to kind of knock out quite a, quite a bit. Perfect. So we've seen the Tree of Life. We've seen Ruby Beach. Yes. So I have one more spot that I've been to in Olympic National Park. And it might be my favorite, but it's not as accessible. It's more for the backpackers, I would say experienced backpackers because it is a long one in and it's an out and back so there's not really 
like the other hike I mentioned that the other backpacking trail, you can kind of stop wherever you want and it's beautiful. You know, there's views along the way. This one's kind of, I mean, it is beautiful on the way in, but you're not, you're not going to hit that viewpoint until you go all the way in. So it's 30 miles round trip. Oh. So that means, yeah, yeah. It's kind of brutal. So 15 miles in to get to the camping area and it's called Enchanted Valley and there's, it is quite enchanted. <laughs> there's an old uh, chalet where people would horseback ride out there and spend like a weekend. It was like a luxury, like lodging experience. So there's this abandoned building there that rangers can stay in sometimes. I think it's deemed unsafe at the moment, but uh, it's pretty wild when you finally emerge into this vast valley and there's just towering mountains on each side there's waterfalls coming down Ooh. from the mountains yeah i think we even saw a rainbow coming out of the waterfall falling down the mountain it was absolutely oh ridiculous goodness. yeah so it's just these like mountains with streaming water basically all the glaciers are starting to melt um and it's just these lush valleys full of like greenery and there's a river flowing through so you just have so much camping area, but it does get really crowded. Um, I believe they're going to start. There was talk of starting to like limit permits, but as of right now, it's unlimited permits. But you still have to go to the visitor center and get a permit or the ranger station. Do you um, know... And also bear canister again. Yes. Yeah. Which is food storage, as I now know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and as far as seasons go, do you, do you know what's, what's the best season to go in both for visiting but also if you did want to avoid those crowds in the enchanted valley well yeah what's what season's the best time to go so because it's because it's lower into the valley you, there's the snow melts a lot faster so i think it opens up in like depending on weather march but i think we went i think we went end of april so it was still you know chance of being chilly rainy but like doable and because of that there were less people there's still a lot of people but as it gets into the summer you know like end of may june july like those are the busiest mm. seasons but a great thing about washington is i mean stuff stays open through september and october even so either i'd say catching it on the beginning like early spring or like fall is usually when you can get at least some less people like when people when kids are back in school you know families <laughs> aren't doing as much outdoor stuff or traveling or you know people go back to their regu regularly scheduled lives i guess <laughs> for sure so anything else we need to know about that um i didn't mention the elevation okay <laughs> it is 4600 feet elevation gain so it's i remember it being pretty spread out though i never i don't remember thinking like oh my gosh this stretch is just never ending uphill like it's pretty decently spread out because it is, you know, 15 miles in. So it's, it felt gradual, but I mean, your feet are just so tired by the end. That makes it so much more worth it though, I think. It's absolutely. The, the scenes I'm getting in my head are, and maybe this is because I have a four-year-old daughter, but the scenes I'm getting in my head are from Frozen when you were describing the valley and the mountains and the rainbows <laughs> and the waterfalls, but... That might be because I've watched Frozen 2 about a hundred times in the last week. But oh boy, yep. I that's the imagine. kind of vibes I was getting. 
frozen vibes, but not actually frozen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anything else about Olympic National Park as a whole before we move into some wrap-up questions? Um, I would just say, you know, however many days you have, kind of use this as a guide. And, you know, if, if there's a certain area or spot that is most intriguing to you, I'd say pick that and build your trip off of it. Because I, I didn't list, you know, there are hundreds of hikes. So if there's a spot that really intrigues you, you could easily find um, more hikes by either, you know, doing your research online through the national park websites or even contacting the ranger stations. They are very, you know, informative. They have information if you have any questions about, you know, is this hike open? Is this trail open right now? You know, is there camping available? That kind of stuff. Um, utilize those resources and yeah do a little research perfect so i've only really got two wrap-up questions um and then one i ask everyone on who comes on the show really so the first one is just a simple one what is one piece of gear that we are definitely not forgetting on the way to olympic national park raincoat (laughs) 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 that is a must (laughs) A good one too. I didn't have a very good one when I first went. It was just kind of the cheapest like Columbia jacket one I could find and it soaked through within a matter of like a couple hours when we were out there just miserable. Like luckily I had a cabin to go to with you know fire but if you're camping like it's that's gonna be pretty miserable. (laughs) Yeah I think the the quote uh, there's no such thing as bad weather just the wrong clothes comes to mind. Yes. That is exactly right. Perfect. So you mentioned that the Enchanted Valley uh, might be your favorite place. Mm-hmm. So that was my original question. And then as soon as you said that, I thought, right, I've got to switch this up a bit because you're just going to answer <laughs> with that. So if we only had time to go to one place, so your favorite place that isn't a 30 mile trek, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where are we going? Oh man, I I mean, if you're up for the challenge, I would say Mount Storm King because you're gonna get just the vast mountains. But I'm I gravitate towards mountain views. Like if you, mm. you make me choose between rainforest, mountain, or water views, I'm gonna pick mountain views. Mm. So that I would say Mount Storm King is is my favorite. Then perfect. And this doesn't necessarily have to be the Enchanted Valley, but the question I always ask everyone is, what's one moment that you'd love to relive on the trip? (laughs) Oh, boy. I think just sitting by the river with my friends, we were just kind of hanging out. We actually had some sun come out, so we were just like dangling our feet. The river at one point, you know, getting water, trying to make a fire, like just... I just like all of the backpacking experience. I guess just that like living in the moment, you know, you're, you're kind of just relaxed and intentional. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. It's been a pleasure again. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Before we go, if we want to see brilliant itineraries like this and other fantastic blogs, where can we go? To my website, missrover.com. Perfect. And you just you were really good at describing the visuals too. So it's worthwhile noting that in the show notes you will find a link to Miss.rover, which is Melissa's Instagram page too. And you spend a lot of time on there as well, don't you? 
yeah, oh, definitely. That's a good way to connect with me if you have any other questions or, you know, itinerary recommendations that you're wanting help with. Perfect. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Yes, thank you. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. This is a place that is on my bucket list. So it was so much fun just to get in and talk about all these locations and this recommended itinerary. If you did enjoy it, then please hit the subscribe or follow button and share it with a friend if you'd like. Spread the love, let the podcast grow. If you would like to come onto the show, then please email me on btmtravelpod at gmail.com. You can join in with the community, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at btmtravelpod. But otherwise, I hope you have a fantastic day, and I will see you in the next one.